Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley. Now, a little bit of news. When you are sticking your turkey in, when you've got your spuds on, you've poured yourself a glass of Bucks Fizz, I hope you're going to be listening to me on Christmas Day. I've got a special show, 10 till 1, on Times Radio on Christmas Day. Listen on your DAB, shout at your smart speaker, download the app. You know that. If you would like me to say hello to you or to friends and family, maybe people you're not actually seeing over Christmas, email me, matt at times.radio, matt at times.radio. We've done this for the past couple of years. It's just a really nice thing. We need lots of messages. Uh, but you need to get on with it because the show might not be entirely live. So if you want me to say hello to you or to friends and family or just want to get in touch, email me matt at times.radio with your Christmas messages and I'll use as many as I can in the Christmas Day show. Right, as we hurtle towards the end of the year, it's the last PMQs unpacked coming up. Richie Sunak and Keir Starmer, lots of them to talk about who emerges triumphant. Uh, Tim Shipman and I pause the action in real time to analyse the key exchanges. First, though, as ever, we kick off with our columnist panel. The Columnists with Ali Burt, Alice Thompson and Robert Crampton on Times Radio. Yes, and the last time this year we're all together. Alice Thompson, morning, Alice. Morning. And Robert Crampton, morning, Robert. Morning, Matt. Uh, nice to have you both with us. Um, let's just, uh, first of all, uh, reflect on the uh, the news this morning of this this small boat which has gone down in the channel. Uh, a government source saying that three people have died, right. but perhaps 40, 43 people have been uh, rescued. Uh, Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary, uh, has uh, tweeted in uh, in literally the last few minutes... Uh, saying, I'm aware of a distressing incident in the channel this morning. I'm being kept constantly updated while agencies respond and urgently establish the full facts. My heartfelt thoughts are with all those involved. We're expecting a statement from Swallow Barverman uh, later. Um, coming the day after Rishi Sunak became the latest Prime Minister to announce Ooh. a crackdown and a package of measures and and whatever else. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of these policies, it's one of these areas, Robert, where announcing plans is much easier than actually solving the problem. So everyone is discovering, yeah, a whole succession of Home Secretaries and now Prime Ministers, yeah. Uh, there used to be a sort of season for crossing the Channel. It used to end in about September. And I think part of the reason that this, this has happened is that people keep doing it all year round now. And I think, I mean, it's awful and it's inevitable. And who knows whether this has happened before and we haven't found out about it. But uh, those 43 people, given the temperatures, are pretty. I, I think they're, they're lucky to be alive and well done to the people that 
rescued them. Yeah. Uh, that could have been, it sounds like it could have been a whole lot worse. Alice, what do you make of this? Because, I mean, clearly, on the one hand, uh, it, you've got the Conservatives who've talked really tough on this for three years. I was looking back, you know, Priti Patel in 2019 when she took over said one of her top priorities was dealing with this problem. And it's just got worse and worse and worse. And whichever way you look at this, whether it's from a sort of, you know, hand-wringing liberal perspective of, you know, something must be done or a hard-line right-wing perspective of all something must be done, nothing's, nothing's working. Uh, well, the extraordinary thing is how tough the Tories have sounded when they're doing absolutely nothing. I'd actually prefer them to sound very soft and do more, um, which seems the more obvious way round, because what you want is them. You, it's a humanitarian crisis. You can see with this boat going down just it, that suddenly you realise that it's a personal human scale of it. It's so awful. Um, but at the same time, they're talking tough and doing nothing. And and the traffickers now, it's it's about two and a half thousand, three thousand pounds is what you have to pay to get across. And at the moment, they're trying to get a lot of people across because they think the water's very clear and it's it's very smooth. So they're carrying on into winter, um, and it is appalling. And and I think part of it was because they blocked off the routes by train and by lorry, uh, which are now far more expensive if you look at they're doing. But you've got to, they've really got to crack down on the traffickers and. And really, you know, the, the France is, is the issue is to stop the boats from going when they aren't seaworthy. But to keep remembering it's the people involved. And I, I just think that's what we've lost, that we've lost the idea that it is people involved in this and it's children. And it's, um, you know, it, 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 it's that if we don't actually do something rather than talking about it, um, we're going to get more of these boats going down. The weather is getting rougher after Christmas. So the weather's getting rougher. The temperature's getting colder. No, Nobody listening to this could possibly imagine what it's like getting in one of these tiny blow-up dinghies and setting off across the channel. No, I can't imagine what. Uh, it's... I mean, people must be desperate, and people yeah. are desperate, and they've come... I mean, they've 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 made a huge effort just to get themselves to uh, to Calais. Uh, from where the, from you know from North Africa and the Middle East, uh, so no, we can't imagine what it's like. Uh, on the other hand, we this is not how it was a few years ago when it, we were talking about a few hundred people. You're yeah, now yeah. talking about uh, more than forty thousand. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and that has to be stopped. But nobody really, and least of all me, has come up with a yeah. so, so, solution for doing it. Uh, well, but they, but they still keep on. I think the time, you know, when they can kind of crack the whip and talk tough—that's kind of gone, really, hasn't it? I mean, Pretty Patel did that for yeah, a couple of years, and people, people are very sceptical about it. Well, uh, we uh, no doubt, I suspect, this will come up at, uh, at PMQs a bit later on. Uh, let's move on and talk about uh, another headache for Rishi Sunak: nurses going on strike tomorrow, uh, Alice. And uh, we've got stories today that the uh, the chief nursing officer—I think all the chief nurses from across mm. the UK writing to the Royal College of Nursing, warning that nursing leaders feel let down by the Royal College of Nursing and warning that patients are being put at risk. I think this is an impossible um, situation for nurses because actually they know they're being paid appallingly, but they are going to lose public sympathy. And people now are terrified just before Christmas about going into hospital, staying in hospital. Um, and, and because of the ambulance crisis as well, I think it's just it's made people very anxious and with strep A. So yeah. I think it must be appalling being a nurse because they know they're really, really badly paid. They've had to go through the whole COVID crisis. They've had huge pressures put on them. And yet they shouldn't really be striking. It's, mm. They've got to find some other way. And we should be pressurising the government to pay them more because I think they really deserve it. But where does that money come from, Robert? That's the big question. 
That's yeah. I mean, this is yeah. We we talked about this so many times. You know, you you, you settle, uh, you give them a big settlement, and then that bakes inflation into the system, and then it doesn't go away. Uh, it's it's. I agree with Alice. I mean, it's it's. Nurses are, are not like train drivers. Nurses are popular, but they're part of the reason they're popular uh, is that they don't go on strike. Uh, this is the first national strike by the nurses ever, I think. Yeah. Uh, and they might find that that popularity melts away uh, when the first people start suffering. Uh, they say they keep, you know, they're, they're providing an emergency service with, you know, with cancer patients and kids and. Uh, neonatal and so forth but that the nurses the chief nurses are saying that might not be the case and there somebody's somebody will uh die who would uh, wouldn't otherwise have died and then it's a question of who the public uh, and, yeah, the, yeah. and the media blame and i think the government's getting itself into a position where it might not it might, won't be them you know that's the that's the the, the maneuverings that are going on when the when these strikes start yeah, to actually yeah. cost lives, uh, it's a question of who gets blamed. And I mean, it'd be, it'd be awful if the nurses, having come through uh, the pandemic and been absolute heroes and heroines to us all, then uh, lose sympathy over yeah, yeah. over strike action. Yeah. I mean, there may, you can say that there are some there are some professions or some jobs that shouldn't really go, shouldn't go on strike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll um, we'll look at that. In fact, we're going to look at that. And tomorrow we've got a focus group, uh, our monthly Times Radio focus group with James Johnson, where we asked some swing voters what they thought. Mm-hmm. And actually, it was much more nuanced than the sort of nurse is good, government bad. Yeah. Mm. And there's definitely, you know, shifting there. And I think, I don't know, it's one of those yeah. things in it where there's, the sort of mushy middle is, we like nurses and we'd like to be, yeah. to be paid more, but we don't want our taxes to go up, we no. don't want them to go on strike. But there's also, there has been, a, since the pandemic, there has been a growing dissatisfaction with the NHS. The NHS yeah. is not the the kind of national religion that it's sometimes made out yeah, to yeah. be. People are very fed up with the way GPs uh, were in yeah. the pandemic and the way they've been since. Uh you know, infected, some GPs effectively turn themselves into a kind of telephone consultation business rather, yeah, yeah. Than, rather than a face-to-face. Well, even if you can get that, somebody messaged yeah. in a minute ago saying they took their... I phoned 111 a couple of weeks ago. They phoned me back 17 yeah. hours later. Yeah. So people are not necessarily <laughs> thinking the NHS is wonderful. Yeah. Although they probably think, yeah, nurses could do with some more money, but then they might think that they could do with some more money, money as, as well. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, uh, we'll move on. Uh, up next, we're going to talk about uh, Keir Starmer. Uh, and uh, Andrew Bridgen. And if that doesn't keep you coming back, nothing will. <laughs> uh, let's talk about your columns today, uh, Alice. You've written that quite Keir is more ruthless than you think. Uh, that he's, he's, he's sort of picking his way through things. He's taking hardline decisions. And uh, it's now all starting to pay off. Yeah, well, I, I did it because we did a focus group for Times Radio, actually, with all the columnists. And we all decided that Keir Starmer had really been the winner of the year. But he was very much seen as being lucky rather than having done it himself, that it was all about, you know, actually the Tories had imploded. Therefore, uh, he'd taken advantage of it. And if you look at his record, he has done more than that. It's actually not just a passive, um, you know, we're going up in the polls because uh, the Tories are a disaster. He's really much tougher and more ruthless than you think. And he's really forced his party to become winners. I mean, he's trying to bring them all together. They're all uh, singing from the same hymn sheet, as we know now, because they, 
Brits sang the national anthem <laughs> together and no one complained at all. And and so he's actually been very disciplined with his party and they've become very disciplined in turn and they're much more rigorous now and he has cracked down on any sort of dissent, really, which is a good thing because the problem about Labour is they've never looked as if they wanted to win. And here is a man who desperately does want to win. And I think that's interesting. It's not just a case of the Tories losing. This is going to be a man who wants to win. The problem is we don't actually know much of his plan yet. We just well, know that's, that that's the is... thing, Alice. That was what oh, I, I've yeah. got to slightly disagree with you, which I know, given this is consensus. No, it's good, FM, good, good. I don't know if he does come across as someone who, you know, he's he's... This extraordinary lead in the polls is almost entirely as a result of uh, conservative uh, idiocy over the summer. And I, I think yeah, and it feels very, Jeremy, very soft. And they've not been Jeremy Corbyn. And not been Jeremy Corbyn. I don't think it's analogous to Blair in 97 when Roy Jenkins famously said he was a man carrying a... Uh, a, a, a Ming vase. A Ming vase across the lobby and all he had to do was not drop it and he'd be in. Yeah. Everybody thought that was true. I think, I mean, Ed Balls was on your show, wasn't he? Uh, oh, yeah. Saying uh, it's more like it's possible the parallel is more with 92. And, uh, fact, and um, we know what happened then. So I think we've got a, uh, a clip of Ed Balls from the show yesterday. He was talking about uh, the risk of complacency. Mm. You know, in that period, 95 to 6, 7, um, Tony Blair and Gordon Brown, they never really believed Labour was going to win. They were, they were never complacent about that because, of course, they'd lived through the run-up to the 92 election when Neil Kinnock was the leader and people thought Labour would win because the economy was having a big recession and then Labour lost that election. Uh, yeah, the, the, we're I all right. Have, I should explain the background <laughs> noise for that because I recorded it on the, uh, right. on the, on the boat. The ship. The ship yeah. is not a boat. Yeah. Um, Sheffield Rally and all that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And... The, the, I suppose it goes back to my... I keep asking this question. I has think, Keir Starmer got no power? Is he keeping his powder dry or has he got no powder? And so far, I think I still don't think we know. Well, he's not Tony Blair. I think no. I think it, the Blair thing was a phenomenon. It wasn't just that they, people were fed up with the Tories after 17, 18 years. The public liked... You might not like to remember this, but the public liked Tony Blair for a good few years. They still gave him a pretty good majority in t- uh, eight years later, 2005. Uh... So, and I don't think Keir has, that, that, has had that sort of yeah. cut through or popularity at all. I agree with you, Matt. I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty soft. Uh, I think he needs to, he can't just think it's going to implode, not least now because he's up against a grown-up politician who has got some, as Alice says in her column, has got a lot of the same qualities that what he's selling is also what Rishi is selling. Yeah. And what I think is extraordinary <laughs> is that he has got this opportunity now in that the Tories really have gone for the older generation, so they're going for the over 60s. Yeah. Um, and I think Rishi's carried on with that, and you saw that in the budget, and you've seen it in the fact with housing, he's not prepared to build more houses. And that, you know, actually, Keir Stom has got this chance now with the younger generation. Only 3% of you know, under 25s are going to vote Tory, they say, mm. and um, 9% under 50. But actually, a lot of them aren't just going to vote at all. I mean, I know, yeah. you know, I think the younger generation aren't going to bother unless Keir Starmer does something serious. So if I were him, I would well, be focusing very much on the under 50s. Yeah, it goes back to, like, the Brexit referendum. If, if, the, if the kids had all voted, it would have been very different. But they weren't enthused to vote because, the, you know, in part because the Labour Party were pretty lukewarm about remaining yeah. under, Jeremy, under Jeremy Corbyn. So, yeah, I think... Yeah, Kia or maybe other people around him, uh, like Angela Rayner, who I think is potentially a, a huge electoral asset, yeah. uh, need to uh, 
stir up the youngsters. Yeah. And by youngsters, we're talking about a bit anybody under 50, under really. 50, yes. yeah. It's not sort of the teenagers. No. <laughs> and it's, it, that whole thing of Labour now seems to be doubling down on being boring. Maybe wants to do, but if, yeah. if Rishi Sunak is offering boring, yes. then how do you... And he's the one who's able to be more boring because he's, got the, he's in charge of the money. The money yeah. he's, in government, he's in government. <laughs> and he, he can controls, do more boring things. He controls everything. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It's a great read, anyway. It's a great read, uh, Alice. Uh, let's move on and talk about... Andrew Bridgen, oh. my favourite MP. Mm. Uh, he was in the House of Commons last night having a debate about COVID vaccines, making a series of claims ranging from dubious to downright nonsense uh, about COVID vaccines using mRNA technology. Let's first of all listen to what he was saying last night. Madam Deputy Speaker, silence on this issue is, is more contagious than the virus itself. Um, and I'd also... Now, so should courage be. And I would implore all the scientists, the medics, the nurses, and those in the media who, uh, who know the truth about the harm these vaccines are causing to our people to speak out. Well, there might be a better explanation for the silence. It might be that he's talking nonsense. Well, let's speak to Abbas Panjwani from the fact-checking organisation Full Fact, who... Uh, Sat through Andrew Bridgen so that you don't have to. Uh, Abbas, uh, let's, because he, he made similar claims like this in the Commons last week, didn't he? T- take us through what Andrew Bridgen was saying and whether or not he's right or wrong. Yeah, so at the end of October, there was um, a debate attended by a few MPs on vaccine um, damage, as it was uh, called, vaccine harms. And at that point, I mean, Andrew Bridgen made things that just said things that were completely false, such as that mRNA vaccines were not recommended for pregnant women and breastfeeding women when we know that they're recommended by the NHS and British Facilities Society and many other, you know, esteemed organisations. Last night, there was perhaps a slight shift. Essentially, Bridgen sought to kind of denigrate the vaccine's effectiveness and, and raise concerns about their safety using lots of data, which is not necessarily wrong, but is data that is kind of inappropriate to use in these contexts. So, for example talking about the number of adverse events that have been reported after vaccination as an indication of their kind of harm, when we know that lots of these adverse events are not necessarily connected to vaccination. And the government has been very clear that they shouldn't be used in that way and various other things that we can get to as well. But so it's basically Mm -hmm. someone has vaccine, uh, two weeks later has heart attack, does Mm. not mean the vaccine gave them the heart attack, the mother had a heart attack anyway. That's essentially, you know, to be simplistic. Yeah, absolutely. And there's lots of, um, you know, scientific papers which essentially keep doing this. They keep dredging up um, data either from real world kind of vaccine rollout or from the trials which said, look, look at this kind of rate of um, uh, of sort of adverse events that were happening after vaccines. Um, now, don't want to be too flippant here, but I mean, substitute vaccine for anything. I mean, mm. adverse, adverse events are going to happen after you know, and, anything. Um, yeah. and the point of what our, you know, MHRA does, for example, is it looks at that data and then says, well, what is, what are the red flags here? And it has highlighted red flags and we shouldn't shy away from talking about genuine problems with the vaccines. We saw that with the clotting and AstraZeneca, mm. seen it with myocarditis and, and Pfizer and Moderna. And people who are experiencing those things shouldn't essentially have their experience tarred with kind of the suggestions that well, everything under the sun is caused by these vaccines because, look, someone <laughs> yeah. reported, um, you know, whatever they might have reported after a vaccine when it might not have been related to it. 
It's difficult, it's difficult, isn't it? Because the MP stands up in the House of Commons and says mm. all the stuff. I've had people emailing me saying, why aren't we talking about it and tweeting and saying, mm. you know, Andrew Bridgen's finally speaking the truth. And he just isn't. No, I mean, the idea that, you know, he mentions the people in the media who know the truth have got to get it out there. But, I mean, the idea that we're sitting at our news desk and our uh, Tom Whipple, our science editor, and our, and our health specialists are sitting on this information, but for some reason choosing not to reveal it is just absurd and it's a bit offensive as well. Yeah. I think the problem with Andrew Bridgen is I don't think he's very bright. I don't think he's very bright. Seconded. I think, I think he's mis. I think he's he's he's. This is not a causal relationship, Andrew. Uh, it's not even a yeah. correlation, as uh, as a stats guy says. It's yeah. uh, you know England lose two one to France and somebody has a heart attack the next day. Robert Crampton and Alice Thompson there, and of course you can read them in the Times every week. Just get yourself a subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Up next is PMQ's Unpacked. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You're listening to the Redbox Podcast now. It's time for this. PMQ's Unpacked on Times Radio. Order, order. I call Matt Chorley and Tim Shipman. And here we are again, one final time. Tim Shipman, Chief of Commentator from the Sunday Times. How are you? I'm good. I'm delighted. I share a birthday with Richard Maidley. It's a shame he couldn't join us. I think that would have been... Uh... Richard Maidley unpacking PMQs. Could have been Might go good. on for a while longer than it does normally. Um, yeah... We've come a long way in PMQs this year, haven't we? We began the year with there were no parties, and now look at us. About to have some parties, hopefully. Um, the first normal Christmas for for a little while. Yeah. I mean, those of us that uh, number 10 had a drink to do, and we were all looking around slightly bewildered, going, we haven't been here for three years. So there's a slight sense of normality returning, and that goes for the politics as well a little bit. We've got two sort of serious leaders who are trying to, you know... Uh, stake out their turf um, ahead of an election in, you know, uh, 
year, year, 18 months, two years. Um, and, you know, the dynamics feel a bit more like what we grew up um, doing. You know, you've got a government that's got a lot of problems, um, an opposition attacking on the substance, um, making life a little bit uncomfortable um, uh, on the personality stuff from time to time. But um, uh, it feels like the game is back to what we recognised when it was... Blair and Brown and Cameron and those people um, in a way that, you know, um, the Brexit years were turbulent and odd and then Boris Johnson created a whole new level of, <laughs> uh, level of parallel odd. reality that, you know, um, you know, and that was his political ability to, to make people, um, you know, issues bounce off him and his, uh, you know, frame things in a slightly different way. But Rishi Sunak is a more conventional conservative than uh, uh, Boris Johnson was and um, Keir Starmer is, um, you know, uh, staking out his terrain in terms that, you know, people who work for Tony Blair would recognise too. Um, you know, he's wanted to look competent, he's wanted to look fiscally prudent, um, he's wanted to get a grip on his own party, he's accomplished all of that. Um, and now it's a it's a straight fight to the election between the two of them. And, you know, we've seen over the last few months things getting a bit um, clearer. I think Starmer's sharpened his act up, um, is performing a lot better. Um and you know he's got a different prime minister uh, not giving him the answers. Yeah, yeah, but but it's a slight. Yeah, if you're Keir Starmer's whole, you know, his his main sales pitch was I'm Mr. Boring, and isn't that nice? But it's quite difficult if if the other fellow is too. Yeah, no, I missed it last week because I was away. Oh, I know. Welcome back. What were the your... drink? What drinks and nibbles like at number ten last week? Uh, there were. Uh, I was on the mulled wine, which was oh, good. warming and pleasant. I'm told the white was an atrocity, um, <laughs> and in fact, someone from number ten went down with. Quite bad stomach bug. I wasn't that very evening. Unclear okay. if the white wine was responsible, but I'm told it was warm and unpalatable. Or just <laughs> warm, warm yet unpalatable. That's PMQs for you. Uh, right. Uh, well, that's probably enough of that. People, case people are doing their lunch. Get on the Times Radio YouTube channel. Get on YouTube. Search Times Radio. You can see Tim. Somebody's asking if it's cold in the studio. Tim, you're not staying. He's still got his. I'll still got his. Uh, very smart jacket on. Uh, right, uh, here we go then. Uh, this is the last PMQs of 2022. Lots of Keir Starmer to ask the Prime Minister about. Let's go live to the House of Commons. It's question number one. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I join the Prime Minister? Our prayers go out to those who capsized in the freezing waters of the Channel last night. It's a reminder that the criminal gangs running those routes put the lives of the desperate at risk and profit from their misery. They must be broken up and brought to justice. Mr Speaker, tomorrow will be the first ever nationwide nurses' strike. All the Prime Minister has to do to stop that is to open the door and discuss pay with them. If he did, the whole country would breathe a sigh of relief. Why won't he? Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, we, we have consistently spoken to all the unions involved in all the pay disputes that there are, but I am, I am glad he's raised our nurses because they do do incredible work and it's worth putting on record, it's worth putting on record what exactly we have done for our nurses. Last year, last year when the rest last year when everyone else in the public sector had a public sector pay freeze, the nurses received a three percent pay rise. When the RCN asked for more in-work training, we gave every nurse and midwife a £1,000 training budget. And when they asked for nurses' bursaries, we made sure that every nursing student received a £5,000 grant. That's because we do work constructively and we will continue to back our nurses. 
It's interesting there. The, uh, Keir Starmer, while reflecting on what's happened in the channel, choosing not to go on that as a as an issue, presumably because they 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 went through it all literally yesterday afternoon with Rishi Sunak's plans. Uh, yeah, that's right. But also, it's tricky terrain for both of them. Um, and you know, I think while I wouldn't necessarily have expected Starmer to go on it, I think it will be Sunak that's whose hands are tied a bit because he would have hoped to reply to a lot of stuff that Starmer was going to ask him today with, look at me, I'm being tough on, on migrants. And when you've got boats capsizing in the channel, that, that sting is rather taken out of that. Um, so, yeah, but telling also that Starmer talked about breaking up the criminal gangs rather than stopping the people coming. Um, and that's going to be, you know, the difference between the two parties uh, on the issue of small boats. Um, the Tories still think that they're closer to the public on that one than the Labour Party, but I don't think uh, Sunak's going to have much of an opportunity to make that point today. Um, interesting that uh, um, uh, Keir Starmer going on the nurses' strike, uh, saying that uh, only, the only thing they need to do is open the door and talk to them. I mean, they do then have to then settle in some way. And crucially, Labour won't say what they would No, I'm not surprised. Well, I mean, the Shadow Health Secretary... Um, Gave a very interesting interview. Um, West Streeting. West Streeting yeah. uh, at the weekend, um, where he sort of said, um, you know, I've had problems with the NHS. I'm waiting for um, a cancer all clear, which I've not had because the test results haven't come back. It's all very chaotic. But he's also said, you know, he had a bit of a pop at um, some of the NHS leadership and, and said, you know, we're offering you more staff. Um, and that on the basis of getting that, you're going to need to improve the way you do things um, and making the point that even he's had grief from them as a result of that. Yeah. So you've got a Labour Party that's acknowledging problems with the NHS, which it doesn't always do. Um, yeah, and interesting that Starmer's the one bringing up strikes because, again, that's been one of Sunak's sort of comeback arguments that um, Labour's in the pocket of the unions. I mean, what neither of them mentioned, which I find slightly curious, and I would have thought Rishi Sunak would... Um, have made this point. Maybe he will um, when he's inevitably asked another one, few yeah, yeah. questions about it. But the you know the pay demand is nineteen yeah. percent. Um, there aren't many people in the private sector getting nineteen percent this year. Um, and Although yeah. actually at the weekend the RCN said, "Oh no, that's only our opening offer." Realising they, they might they might, have, started a bit, they might have gone a bit yes. high. They might yeah. have gone a bit high. Well, uh, Rishi Sunak carefully laying out that. Actually, in a way, we haven't really heard a lot from ministers. The detail of what they've done before. They did have pay rises. Uh, when the rest of the public sector was frozen, extra training, extra bursaries and so on. And um, in a sense, what Sunak can do that Boris Johnson probably couldn't, um, having, you know, done clap for carers and just chuck money at the NHS, Sunak has always said we need to be honest about the trade-offs here. Yeah. And he will be able, presumably, to make the argument that if you put up public sector pay too much, that then leads to inflation going rampant again. And if you look at the figures this morning, inflation has just dipped a little. Yeah. And the Tories hope that that will be the story of the first six months of next year, that that gradually comes down and puts them in a position where they can start to, you know, make some Easy more political... Yeah, 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 um, yeah, they might have a little bit of money to spend and they can do some more, you know, what they would say see as more conservative politics, um, some more conservative economics, you know, it might allow for um, uh, easing some taxes somewhere. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, if you put all this money into public sector pay, that all... Um, that that gain is lost. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see if he tries to make a sort of macroeconomic yeah, argument. Macro, yeah, yeah, sort of taking a step back from that. Someone on the YouTube channel, usually listen on the Times Radio app, but thought I'd join you for the full sensory experience on YouTube. Wonderful to see that even in full HD, Parliament's still a chaotic punch in Judy's show. I mean, it's quite calm compared to how it has been before. I mean, unless it was referring to you and I. Uh, let's same. go back to House of Commons. This Jazz is qu- qu- question number two from Keir Starmer. 
Mr Speaker, nurses going on strike is a badge of shame for this government. Instead of showing leadership, he's playing games with people's health. And there is a human cost. Alex from Chester has been waiting for a gallbladder operation for nearly six months. He's in so much pain, he's been off school since then. His operation has already been cancelled twice. His mum, who I spoke to this morning, is worried sick. When she heard that strikes could be called off, she was massively relieved. She's desperate for the Prime Minister to resolve this. All he needs to do is simply meet the nurses. Now, Alex's mum is listening to this. She doesn't want to hear him blaming everybody else. She doesn't want his usual ducking of the question. She's tuned in now because she wants him to explain what is he going to do to resolve the nursing strike. Well, Mr Speaker, it's not just Alex. There are millions of others across this country. Alex and Mark. Millions of others. Millions of others who will have their health care disrupted because of the strike. Now, the Honourable Gentleman says to get round the table, but we all know what that means, Mr Speaker. That is just simply a political formula for avoiding taking a position on this issue. If he, if he, thinks, if he thinks the strikes are wrong, he should say so. If he thinks it's right, if he thinks it's right that pay demands of 19% are met, then he should say so. What's, what's weak, Mr Speaker, is he's not strong enough to stand up to the union. If only you had your bell. <laughs> there we are. There we are, as uh, as you predicted, the 19% uh, thing and the fact that the, the Labour Party won't commit to that. Uh, quite. And interesting there that Sunak has been under relentless attack from Labour for probably the last four Prime Minister's questions in a row for being weak. Um, and now he's trying to turn it back on Starmer, um, uh, which is an interesting way of dealing with something where, you know, you've got a perceived problem. You you know, you can attack on the same subject yeah, and yeah. hope and to neutralise it. Flip it around, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm not sure we, apart from some decent, some stronger language, a badge of shame, playing games of people's lives. I'm not sure we 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 got very far. So no, that... and there's a you know there is another argument in Sunak's locker that you know you've now got people within the NHS turning on the nurses. The chief nursing officer has said that they're in danger of um, uh, damaging people's uh, health, and so is the head of cancer care. Uh, I wonder if we'll be hearing about them um, in due course. But um, so far, I'd say this was a closer score draw than perhaps Starmwater would have hoped um, after two questions. But it's interesting as well that the, 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 the split on this was from polling last week from YouGov, on the, specifically on the question of nurses, uh, t- 46% of people blame the government, 17% blame the unions and 25% so they're both equally to blame. Uh, but amongst those voting Labour, seventy-five percent blame the government, compared to only eleven percent of Conservatives. So it's sort of, it is, but obviously there's a lot more of those Labour people because they're that much further ahead in the polls. So um, that's the that's the divide, I suppose. Let's see if uh, Keir Starmer can build on that. It's question number three. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, in in twelve hours' time, there's a nurses' strike. All he needs to do is meet the nurses. His inaction speaks volumes. As ever with this Prime Minister, it's Tory politics first, patients second. 
We've never seen a nurses' strike like this before. They've been forced into it because the government has broken the health system. Ask anyone in the NHS. They will tell you they don't have enough staff. 133,000 vacancies. And there's an obvious solution. Scrap the non-DOM status and use the money to bring through the next generation of doctors Weekly mention of non-DOMs there. That's what Labour would do. Why hasn't he got the guts to do it? Mr Speaker, we're already investing billions more in the NHS. We're already hiring thousands more doctors and nurses. But he asked, he asked, he asked about backlog. He asked about backlogs and the waiting times in the NHS. And yes, what he always fails to acknowledge is the impact that COVID did, Mr. Speaker. That's why we're facing pressures. But we do have a plan. Not just more money, not just more doctors and nurses, new diagnostic centres carrying out millions of checks and scans, new surgical hubs delivering more elective surgery. But we'd, if, if we'd listened to him, Mr Speaker, the backlog would still be growing, and that's because we'd still be in lockdown. We'd still be, what, now? We'd still be in lockdown now? <sighs> that was a... That was that was vintage Boris Johnson era yeah. baiting. Um, Once again, we've got slightly in the PMQ's groove, haven't we? Yes, Pick, well, new sort of... topic, two or three questions in. It's non-DOMs. It's you'd have kept us in the European medicines ages. We didn't quite go there, but we were still in lockdown. Yeah, I think uh, I think most I think I think the lockdown is an argument a bit like the one blaming Starmer for Jeremy Corbyn years down the track. That uh, I don't think essentially. Uh, cuts through in a credible way with the public. Um, you know, I mean, he's right to talk about some of the stuff that uh, they've been doing and wanting to do. Um, I'm surprised he hasn't gone back to Starmer on what do you actually think of yes. this? You know, I mean... I mean, I know that there's a you know, sense to get cross if the Prime Minister asked questions, but he just kept saying, would you give them 19%? Yes, exactly. Um, and also, you know, this whole argument about, you know, what what... Ed Miliband, back when there were strikes, famously did that. You know, for those of you at home near a computer, just go on to, you know, when you finish with us on YouTube, have a look at Ed Miliband doing his yeah, statement about to strikes. Get back the table. These strikes are wrong, he kept saying. And we he did it put, about, our di- put our differences to one side and get back around the, the table. table. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, and he just did it again and, and, and again. Exactly. He was asked about nine questions, and the answer just kept coming literally identical because they didn't want to say, they didn't want to move an inch off this agreed line. And the same seems to be the case. Uh, for Starmer, he gets the chance to attack because it's PMQs. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, sit, sitting right next to Keir Starmer is Rachel Reeves, the Shadow Chancellor, who is trying to keep an iron like grip on spending commitments yes. by the Labour Party. And the last I thing mean, she if wants. Starmer is... sort of flexes a leg. You might see a, a you know, you yeah. might literally see a hand <laughs> come out and bio in the yeah. bio in the thigh. Uh, because it was what twenty billion, twenty eight billion pounds or something. If everyone got a, in the public sector got an inflation beating. It's... It's quite a lot of money. It's quite a lot of money. Uh, right, here we go then. So uh, go back. Let's see how many more uh, sort of... It is, it is Christmas, so maybe that's why we're getting repeats. Uh, let's go back to question number four for Keir Starmer. Uh, as usual, Mr Speaker, he tries to blame everyone else. His department, his department commissioned a report into the NHS which reported on Monday. That report said we've had 10 years of managed decline. Yep. It was not COVID. Responsibility is sitting right there. And the reason he can't choose nurses over non-DOMs is because he's too weak to stand up for the tax avoiders. 
For 12 years they haven't trained enough doctors and nurses. So we have the absurd situation of the NHS spending billions on agency workers to fill the gap. Why should the country have to put up with money that should be spent treating patients being wasted, plugging gaps instead? Mr Speaker, let me tell the Honourable Gentleman what we are doing. We are actually listening to the independent pay review bodies. They want to undermine them. We've offered a fair pay deal. They can't even decide on a number amongst themselves. We're actually protecting the public. They're protecting their paymasters, Mr Speaker. For working people in this country, for working people in this country, it's Labour's nightmare before Christmas. Has he got his notes muddled? I think there? we Was should that... just pause, have a moment just of silence. Moment of <laughs> silence and personal reflection on how badly that joke dropped out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, it, yeah, it must be a real nightmare for Keir Starmer being only now 20 points ahead in the polls. Uh, yes. Um, look, I mean, Sunak had some good, a good binary build-up to that. Yeah. With, you know, we're protecting the public, you're protecting your paymasters, you know, we've offered them something, you won't tell us how much it is. Um, but yes, he then sports it all with um, <laughs> with the nightmare before Christmas. I mean, it is the nightmare before Christmas, but to claim at this point that it's Labour's nightmare seems a little bit optimistic um, for a Prime Minister um, whose party have been in power for 12 years. And actually, um, the big criticism, you know, the, 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 if anyone's been paying any attention to Labour's relationship with the unions, is they've threatened to take away money. They don't think Keir Starmer's been hard enough on them. He's, he's sacked people who joined picket lines. It's much harder. He doesn't look like a sort of burning brazier union baron hugger. No, uh, and they've been, you know, the Tories are sort of, in, I think Angela Rayner has been saying Mick Lynch, the uh, RMT guy, is uh, a reasonable man. I think you can, if you sort of get, if they align too closely with the rail unions, mm. they might have more problems uh, than, you know, it's a pretty uh, cost free enterprise for a yeah, Labour yeah. Party to align itself with the nurses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, there we are. Let's see. Uh, <clears throat> Still got two more questions to go. Who knows how bad the question, the uh, the jokes might get? Uh, let's go back to the House of Commons. Then it's PMQs unpacked. It's question number five from Keir Starmer. Keir Starmer, there he goes again, pretending everything is fine. Try telling that to those on waiting lists or those that can't afford to pay for a next day GP appointment. After twelve because years Rishi of Tory failure, winter has pounds. arrived for our public oh. services, and we've got a prime minister who has curled up in a ball and gone into hibernation. That's also quite bad. That's quite bad. On behalf of patients or nurses or everyone who wants these strikes called off, then surely the whole country is entitled to ask, what is the point of him and what is the point of the government he's supposed to be leading? Mr Speaker, he talks about COVID not having an impact. Ambulance waiting times for Category 1... Category 1 ambulance waiting times in February of 2020 were actually completely on target, Mr Speaker. Covid has had an impact and that's why, that's why, that's why, as, as the Chief Executive of the NHS has acknowledged, this government is serious about its commitment to prioritise the NHS. But Mr Speaker, let's just have a look at the NHS in Labour-run Wales, shall we? The worst A&E times in the country, Mr Speaker. Yes, Starmer. Mr. 
OK, well... Curled up in I a think, ball and gone into hibernation was pretty bad. I, th- I think it's, uh, yeah, it's one all now. One all it? on the bad, uh, the bad uh, pre-panned dokes. Um, uh, Rishi Sinat boasting that it's been, what, three, two, two and a half, three years since they met the A&E ambulance category one targets. It's probably not the, the boast that he, he might hope to be. Um, however, him ending there on the point about the NHS in Wales, uh, where we were discussing earlier, midwives are going on strike... In Scotland, they've just averted a strike, I think, amongst nurses by settling uh, with the unions. But the NHS in Scotland is not in a great way. This cuts across all parties, doesn't it? It does, really. I mean, when the budget was coming out and, you know, they were cutting here, there and everywhere, but still chucking money at the NHS, one of my friends said, we're now a health service with a country attached to it. And, (laughs) And frankly, you could spend almost the entire national income on the health service and still not... Uh, have it, um, you know, achieving what people would hope that it would, um, and it's a, you know, it's a difficult area to to make savings in. Um, it's a difficult area to justify not pouring as much money into it as you possibly can. Um, but clearly, COVID has had an impact. Um, what Sunak's not really explaining there is why. It, it, you know, a lot of people will think, well, it's a couple of years after COVID now, and why is that stopping an ambulance getting people there on time? I mean, the short answer is there's a lot of people uh, in hospital um, who haven't had the treatment they deserve, yeah. which means that they're stuck there, um, which means there aren't any beds. So when ambulances arrive, they can't, dis- you know, can't put people into the hospital quickly enough and go out and do the next job. Um, but he's not really sort of spelling that out. It doesn't intrinsically seem like, um, you know, on the face of it, a sensible argument that, you know, COVID's still having uh, an impact on sort of day-to-day goings-on. Clearly, um, you know, it killed a lot of people and, it, and it's put back a lot of people's uh, treatment. But that, you know, that actually has an impact, you know, on health. It has an impact on employment as well because there's a lot of people sitting idle who wouldn't be yeah. um, because they haven't had, um, you know, whatever surgery it was that they needed. Um, and so it goes on and on. Uh, Phil's just been in touch with Devon. If you've been paying attention, you may have noticed that both Starmer and West Streeting have said 19% is unaffordable, which I think we did uh, reflect that. But the point is they haven't said what is affordable no. or what they would settle on. And even if it was 10%, matching in today's inflation rate, that's still an awful lot of money because there are an awful lot of nurses. Yes. And then you and then you then get every other public you know, every other public sector worker would want the same. Because, yeah. you know, if you clap the te- you clap the nurses, you clap the teachers and uh, and so it goes on. And it's a very politicised area health. It's always been Labour's best sort of weapon to attack the Tories with. Um and that to a degree has made it difficult to get cross party kind of consensus yeah. on how you go about dealing with this. But you know, the interesting thing the other interesting thing from Sunak immediately talking about Wales and any times there is that that is wildly popular with his own backbenchers yeah. who say, yeah, look at you lot, Labour, you run Wales and it's always a mess. Um, we were a mess, but so are you. So are you. And then up there. And that sort of cheers them up. Yeah. And, you know, as ever at Prime Minister's Question, some of it is for the voter out there, some of it is for the sort of cognoscenti like us uh, to, to sort of mark them uh, as they go forward. But a lot of it is about the people sitting behind them and whether they're leaving think, for their Christmas break thinking that bloke's doing all right actually um we'll give him a bit more time or uh, thinking he's you know getting his backside handed to him on a weekly basis and i would say on this week he's been a bit more sure-footed in his replies um than he has been probably for the last two weeks and actually it's one of those things because he's not been doing it to be fair to him he's only just overtaken liz truss uh he's not been yeah, doing it for, Monday, for that long yeah. and so as a result you know, it, you build up this sort of well of knowledge and you become more confident. He's still got, you know, two and a half months to go before he moves up to being the, you know, 
the third <laughs> shortest <laughs> yeah, serving Prime Minister. Takes George Canning. George Canning, yes. 119 days. Yeah. One for the nerds there. Right, uh, let's see how this all winds up. Are we going to get non-doms? Are we going to get nurses? Are we going to get... Um, oh, please, let's get a... For old time's sake, I mentioned Jeremy Corbyn. Let's go back to the House of Commons. It's question number six from Keir Starmer. Under the last Labour government, we had fair pay for nurses and no strikes. So I won't, I won't be taking lectures from him about that. Order, order, order. Oh, Lindsay Hoyle. Hoyle. You promised to behave. Don't give me a Christmas present you won't want. Come on, kiss down. Mr Speaker, this is our final PMQs of the year. So I hope you will part... Oh, really? I hope you will... <laughs> Mr Speaker, what I was going to say was I hope you will pass on all of our thanks, at least on this side, to all those who kept our house and our democracy working. And I want to finish this year thinking about our friends in Ukraine. As a result of Putin's barbaric assault on their freedom, millions will spend Christmas in sub-zero temperatures without heating, electricity or hot water. Their suffering is unimaginable but their bravery is awe-inspiring. So will the Prime Minister join me in saying that whatever other difficulties and disagreements we have across this dispatch box, we are and will remain united in our unwavering support for Ukraine's freedom, its liberty and its victory. Well, Mr Speaker, can I join with the Honourable Gentleman in thanking and paying tribute to all the staff of the House for the fantastic work that they do to support all of us. Uh, And I appreciate his comments on Ukraine. It has been a point of incredible unity across this House and indeed the country, something that we can all be proud of in our country, that we have stood behind Ukraine at its hour of need. And as I said yesterday, this Christmas, many families will be laying an extra place at their Christmas table, and that speaks to the generosity and compassion of our nation, and long may that continue. Oh, an outbreak of cheery, festive consensus at the end. Quite smart. I mean, if we're smart gonna, if by we're Starmer. Very cynical. Very smart by Starmer. Completely change the subject. Go for something you can't... And then whatever pre-planned... Yeah. Uh, no clip for Rishi. No clip for Rishi at the end of the news, because uh, he couldn't do, presumably, his attack on you propped up Jeremy Corbyn and your European Medicines Agency would still be in lockdown now. None of that. Really smart politics by Keir Starmer. Yeah, and to go on Ukraine, you know, you were saying, what well, we've come a long way in a year, we've come a long way in a couple of years, really. Um, you know, unimaginable that um, Corbyn would have uh, made comments like that um, about unity or about um, uh, involvement in a foreign war and, you know, emblematic of uh, where Starmer has uh, positioned the Labour Party. So clever in a range of ways, I think. So as we uh, head into Christmas, then, it's our last time that we'll be together this year, Tim. I assume. Yeah, I didn't get invited on the cruise, Matt, so, you know, <laughs> chances to bond further were denied to me. I think it's, I think it was like pilots. Only one of us could be aboard at any one time for safety reasons. Um, uh, who, going into Christmas, Rishi Sunak, Keir Starmer, will be the happiest? Oh, Starmer's much happier than Sunak, no question about that. But Sunak's still alive, and as we, you know, he's now lasted longer than Liz Truss. And more importantly, he's in a you know he's in a much better position than Liz Truss was at any point in her premiership. Um, he has uh, stopped the bleeding. He's sort of stabilised things. He's taken it down the temperature down a notch or two, um, and he's bought himself a bit of time. Um, and you know, I mentioned it earlier. There was no mention of it at PMQs, but if inflation has topped out now um, and is going to begin to fall, then. You know, that won't have an immediate effect on people's lives because all that means is that things get more expensive slightly slower than they were doing. But um, 
in terms of you know the big picture, you can start. The Tories will be able to start weaving a narrative next year that things are getting a bit better, that we've you know we've all been in it and suffered the pain, and now there might be something yeah. politically to show for it. Um, his big challenge is to survive to the local elections and get through those without you know Boris Johnson re-emerging as a credible threat to his leadership. Um, and if he can get through that, then you know he's probably going to still be there at the general election. Um, but Starmer, you know, began the year, you know, not that far ahead and has um, has had a good year. You know, he found it quite difficult to attack Boris Johnson. He didn't quite know which way to come at him a lot of the time. Uh, Boris Johnson made it very easy for him with Partygate and, um, you know, some of the other um, uh, gaffes and mistakes over the handling of some of those sleaze issues. And... Um, you know, he's seen off two prime ministers. He's um, got his party in a decent position who, from time to time, are able to lead the way um, both on the economy and on wider policy. And um, his party's uh, now pretty united behind him. So, uh, you know, Starmer's had a, a very good year. And, you know, Sunak has gone from being the golden child at the start of the year to making a mess of things in his... Uh, spring budget yeah. to, um, you know, his wife being embarrassed over non-domery, being humiliatingly defeated by um, uh, Liz Truss and then bouncing straight back and making, so far, a sort of decent grown-up fist to being Prime Minister. He's had, a, you know, he's had a pretty reasonable year as well, but he's behind and he knows it and, um, you know, there are still questions in Tory ranks about whether he's got the dynamism to turn them around. Yeah. Um, there aren't so many people talking about Starmer's dynamism now because what's not, it's not what's required it's yeah, yeah. Uh, it's looking like a prime minister and so far he's um beginning to look like he knows how to sort of uh, answer those questions tim Sherman, stay there because i'm sorry to break the news we don't have ian blackford oh i know well we had uh, we didn't have ian blackford last week this is what you missed it's know, the missed great it. historic occasion <laughs> Steve, Stephen Stephen Flynn. Flynn. he was we'll quite, quite the uh, quite the edgy customer uh, I'll, I'll miss the humble crofter. The but... humble crofter is off humbly crofting. Uh, so we'll get Stephen Flynn next and the best of the West. Tim Shipman, Chief Political Commentator of the Sunday Times, is still here. And for the first time for me, because I never mentioned I wasn't here last week, uh, no Ian Blackford. Sad times. Instead, we've got the new SNP leader in Westminster, Stephen Flynn. I wish to join with the Prime Minister and the Leader of Opposition in extending my party's thoughts to all of those involved in the terrible tragedy in the Channel this morning. Mr Speaker, thanks to positive and proactive negotiations between the Scottish Government and Unite and Unison Health Unions, a pay settlement has been reached and strike action averted. By stark contrast, the UK Health Secretary appears completely unwilling to negotiate with unions on pay and strike action is very much still on the table. So may I ask the Prime Minister, when will he see the error of his ways and follow the Scottish Government's lead? Mr Speaker, I'm I'm glad the UK Government was able to provide £1.5 billion in extra funding uh, to the Scottish Government for public services. Uh, And uh, the, the Health Secretary and other ministers have engaged fully, not just with the unions, but with an independent pay-setting process, which takes the politics out of the process and ensures that we can meet those independent requirements with a fair pay deal. Here we are. We could talk about that earlier on, the fact that the, Scotland had averted the, uh, the nurses' strike and uh, Stephen Flynn trying to make some political capital from it. And Sunak responding with the sort of unionist argument, well, 
you're giving them the money we've given you. So, um, bravo for the union. Everyone's happy. Everyone's, Everyone's happy. done their bit. Yep. Uh, right, let's go back to the House of Commons now. This is uh, a question from the Labour MP, Dame Angela Eagle. This year, the Tory party has given us five education secretaries, four chancellors, three prime ministers, two leadership coups. And, the, and Mr Speaker, the partridge has had to sell the pear tree to pay the gas. <laughs> But that's better. It's, it's so, definitely uh, the winner. The best joke we've had today. Isn't it the case that after a year of Tory chaos, incompetence and self-indulgence, the best Christmas present the Prime Minister could give to the British people is a general... Yeah. <laughs> Mr Speaker, when it... Mi Mr Speaker... They're happier with that than before, Mr. Speaker. But all, all I'd say, all I'd say, when it comes to what the British people need this Christmas, Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, in order to ease the disruption on their lives, the best thing that the party opposite could do is tell their union bosses to call off these damaging strikes. There we are. Everyone's happy. Decent joke from Angela Eagle. I mean, yeah, that's proper, isn't it? You know, um, and in fact. Um, it was so proper that I've had about six different people send it to me even as we were listening. What's slightly annoying about it is I was writing a script for something for next week and it had almost the same gag in it, so I shall have to have a revisit. I'm sure you can uh, make it even How's funnier. your review of 2022 coming along? Uh, yeah, I need to, need to get on with that, really. When will we see that? Is that this week or next week? Uh, there's going to be, I think... Well, it won't be this week, but uh, there'll be... <laughs> no, no, there'll be... I'm, I'm, I'm working on something that's a sort of a bit of an essay, and I'm also working on something that's uh, much more light-hearted. So, so when, when do we see just shipment awards? I would think one one for Christmas and one for New Year. Very I think good. Be, yeah. Very good. Well, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure, Tim Shimmer, throughout 2022. What a year we've had. Who knows what, uh, what next year will bring? I hope it just brings less, that's all I would say. <laughs> just slightly less. Just dial it down slightly less. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio. And we bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcasts from. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 